welcome to Rapping PE. I'm Stephen Buller, aka Beer Drip Buller. Today we have the distinct honor of having Dave Carney come in as a guest. He is one of the original people that inspired me to start a podcast with his Learn Something New challenge for 2020. Today we're going to kind of discuss our experiences and our zones of comfort. And when we're talking about zones of comfort, we're looking at are we taking risks or are we sticking in our comfort zone? And I believe that in order for us to grow, we need to take more risks. And I think quarantine has been a perfect time for us to analyze if we're taking enough risks in the classroom and expanding upon the opportunities that we're giving to our students as well as for ourselves. Dave and I will kind of talk about building a community on your island. So many of us tend to be left on an island or feel like you're on an island. Dave kind of explores a little bit how he found assets in his community to help him improve his teaching environment. It's a, We're going to talk about delegation and why it's okay to give responsibilities to people. Um, we're going to focus on continuing to learn and professional development. I hope this podcast is as engaging as it was for me. Well, wait for the beep to drop. Welcome to Rappin' PE. I'm your host, Stephen Buller, a.k.a. Beard Drip Buller, as my Twitter and Instagram handles suggest. This is the place where we explore precarity, pedagogy, and physical education. This podcast is dedicated to physical educators of the future, past, and present. Today is episode four, and we're going to continue on our official podcast journey, where I have the pleasure of introducing Dave Carney. We're going to start off with the first easy question, and then we're going to keep going down from there. Which is better, dogs or cats? Yeah, I've I've been we my wife and I have owned owned a bunch of cats. Uh, right now, we've one cat and one dog, and I'm I'm gonna go with dogs because uh, my cat doesn't really care about me that much most of the time, but my dog is right by me all the time, and I love her, love them both. But I'm gonna go dogs on this one. <laughs> I love that. Right now, we are at. Four out of four guests are dog friendly. <laughs> and of course, I'm, I'm a dog person. Cats right. are cool, but... Yeah, yeah. All right. What is your all-time favorite physical activity, sport, or anything of that sort? Well, I, I grew up a baseball guy my whole life, pretty much, and I coached some baseball. Uh, I'm going to go with baseball, but football's really close because I love football. I was actually, I think I was pretty good at football. My one, I guess, regret as a... Uh, as a youth was that I never um, kind of got into organized football because I think I would have been pretty good, but uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with baseball on this one. <laughs> That's the only answer because <laughs> I'm a baseball fiend as well. Yes. And I love the history of baseball too, by the way, like I just love stats and Ted Williams and, you know, back in the day, even before I was born kind of thing. So uh, yeah, love it. And all the different leagues and oh, all the controversies like the, Black Sox scandal. Mm -hmm. So much fun stuff going on there. Um, here we go. Question number three. Who are you? What makes you you? 
Oh boy, you brought the heat on this one. This is the one I was, I'm, I'm going to struggle with a little bit. Um, you know, I, th- I think I'm a pretty principled person I'm going to go with because I, I, I try to stand by, you know, some certain principles of like hard work and honesty and, and I'm not perfect. And, and just really, um, you know, if I see something, I really want to just go for it and, and reach my goals. Um, I guess a quick story. I, I, I didn't think about this till st- watching, I guess, Michael Jordan and the last dance, but I, I there are some things that I had kind of chipped on my shoulder that really, I, I'm not, I don't live or I don't walk around angry, but I think that chip kind of helps you sometimes. Like I was, um, I could think of a, quite a few times in Little League Baseball, like making the all-star team. And, you know, I, there were kids who were picked in front of me where I know I was better than them, but I had to over and over prove myself and eventually, you know, win those jobs. Um, I had a, I thought about this yesterday. I had a, when I, my first experience student teaching, my very first, I had three actually, it was a kind of a different program. And I didn't really get along with the guy that well. And I didn't, and I'll admit, I wasn't a good student teacher. I was not. I see some student teachers come out and they're phenomenal. I was not. But I also don't think he really helped me a lot. Like, I, I, it's kind of my fault, but I feel like he didn't really help me. And he actually re, um, put in a request that I would be almost like kicked out of the program. And I met with my supervisor and he's like, okay, I'm gonna give you one more shot. And, uh, you know, so my, my next experience was really good. I, that, he was in like a sixth grade experience and I went to a first grade experience and in this, in this this the the teacher was phenomenal. She worked with me, and again, I, it was my being naive. But I also don't feel like he really helped me. He was just wanted to get me out of there. But ever since then, I was like, you know what? I'm going to prove this guy wrong. And I'm I've seen him before, like uh, not or seen him since then, not not too recently. And and everything's fine. I don't. I'm not a mean person. I'm not. But I, I also want to you know show him that hey, I got a job. I'm doing well. You know, that, I guess that's me. I hate to say, I'm not, again, not an angry person, but I think those little chips sometimes help just um, motivate me. Absolutely. I, I feel like it's very hard to go throughout life without some sort of chip on your shoulder. I can relate to many of those experiences, just being more or less kind of like an outsider within the community. So athletics, I had very similar experiences. I didn't have advantages compared to people that grew up in the community. So I know what you mean. It's, it's extra motivation. It's extra fire. It's extra desire to do something that you want to do because somebody said you can't. Exactly. Yep. I think that's probably one of my favorite things is when somebody tells me I can't do something I'm like, all right. Yeah. Just wait. <laughs> Love it. So what is an example of an experience that brought you into the realm of education? Okay. I'd say when I was in high school, I had two specific teachers that really made me love just education. I mean, I was always a pretty good student. I wasn't like these straight A's. I was, a, you know, AB for the most part, um, especially when I was younger. And then it got a little harder. <laughs> so I wasn't as, maybe as, as, as strong. But I had an English teacher that really just gave me a love for learning. And uh, she, let, she allowed us to be creative. And actually, it was her and her husband, two consecutive grades, 11th and 12th in English and uh, we just got to, again, be creative, got to explore different topics, explore different viewpoints. And uh, also my, my history teacher, because he, he gave me a love for history. And that, that was actually my minor in, in college. I was uh, elementary education with a minor in, uh, I believe it was social studies, not history. But, you know, he just gave me that love for learning about the past. And, and so the two of them made me want to become a teacher. Yeah, I feel like there's... For so many teachers, there's a teacher and there's a reason why they go into education. And I think a lot of the time, it's almost like a legacy thing. Like you're like, this teacher did this and inspired me. I got to inspire somebody because 
that's my purpose. Um, which brings us into our next question. All right. What do you believe is your purpose as an educator and as a human? That's a big one too. Hey, uh, so, you know, I think that, I guess I'll keep it relatively simple. You know, I, I want to help students become, you know, better versions of themselves as, as they get older, especially since I'm elementary school, you know, age teacher. And, you know, I've told them before, you know, if I teach the next LeBron James, that's awesome. The reality is I'm probably not. And I really haven't had one student that just gone that far Olympics or pros. And, you know, I just want to help them become good people. And, you know, through um, just different, you know, cooperative learning games, just through being together in these large groups, you know, I have over hundred students at a time, just getting them to understand that you're going to there's going to be conflicts. There's going to be, you're going to have friends. You're going to have people that are maybe not your best friends, but you could be respectful of them. Um, I guess just creating that culture because, you know, we don't know what the job, their jobs are going to be in the future. We don't know their future, you know, what they're going to go you know, towards, but we do know that they need to have good personal skills. They need to be able to work with a team they need to be creative. And that's the kind of thing I want to foster um, with my students. I agree with that. That's a, uh... I enjoy the fact that you mentioned about we don't know what jobs they're going to have in the future. So focusing on basically just being a person, making yourself better and having those like attributes. Because sometimes I feel we'll push that job perspective to try to become valued or like accepted kind of as we talked about last or two days ago on your podcast which by the way, if you haven't checked out his podcast, which I'm sure the only reason you know I exist is because you know Dave exists, but if for some reason you don't know, you got to check out his supersized phys ed podcast and the Around the Horn PE. I guess that's my little plug for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate it. And I'm I'm glad you started this, by the way. This is, um, I, I think your voice, I know your voice needs to be heard and you are just phenomenal at well, everything you do and you, you blow me away with um, your research and your, your love for the, uh, the underserved community. So I, I, I appreciate you and I'm glad you're doing this. Thank you. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't think of myself that highly, but I appreciate the kind words. I'm just trying to adapt to what we're doing now with the quarantine and making phys ed better. And you're definitely part of that journey, but even though, I'm a Dolphins fan. And you're a Bills fan. I have to ask, why are you a Bills fan? You know, it's funny because, from? yeah, well, I grew up near Buffalo. So I spent, okay. yeah, so I, I mean, until I was 21, I lived there. So I lived there um, it, just outside of, not in the city, but outside of the city, um, not too far from the stadium, probably about 15, 20 minutes from the stadium. And uh, yeah, I grew up a Bills fan that way. I was there, <laughs> I was in college when they lost all four Super Bowls in, the, in a row. <sighs> All four in a row. It was that really hurt. That was brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> and so, uh, right, it's actually right after that. Not because of that, but right after that, I graduated from college and moved to, moved to Florida. My parents were already here, and my brother, and got a teaching job right away. And so, uh, yes, even though I lived I, and still live not too far from Miami, actually kind of, almost in between Miami and Tampa. I mean, not exactly, but uh, time wise, about that. About that. Um, I never could, although I've been to Dolphins games, um, they're on our division. I just couldn't, <laughs> couldn't do it. And uh, Tampa, um, yeah, I tried to like them. And I lived, even lived right near the stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. The Panthers, you know, again, I, I like them, but they're, 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 it's always going to be the Buffalo Bills for me. 
And uh, why do you like the, now wait a minute. Now it's the same thing with Justin. <laughs> Justin's in New Jersey and he likes Miami. Like why do you guys up north like Miami? I think one of the first televi- televised games I ever watched were the 90s Dolphins, like 95, 96. <laughs> so yeah. that great air raid offense with Dan Marino and just the uniforms too. The uniforms, oh, of course. like the 90s and the uniforms from prior to that were great. Some of the new ones look horrible. Yeah. And I was also loved Dolphins as a kid. I was very intrigued by sea creatures because also my favorite hockey team has to be the san jose sharks because that's my favorite sea creature okay so i think a lot of things were like color oriented as well as like the animals and that's where it kind of began and just like the ironic the first team i ever watched was the dolphins which is kind of weird because they're not on tv often up here you pretty much have to buy a special package and especially back then it was like oh you're up late on a monday night or a sunday night when they were when you could actually watch them and be entertained. Exactly. Not not for the last like 17 years where it's been horrible. Horrible. Yeah. But I got to give props. I always give props to like Marino, uh, Don Shula just passed away. You know, I, I, even Tom Brady, I know people hate on Tom Brady. Um, I'm not a Brady fan per se, but because he's in our division or he was in our division till, you know, this year. But you know what? I, I give credits where credit is due. You know what I mean? If you if you're that good and he's probably the best of all time, like I gotta give him props. I mean, I might not root for him, but gotta give him props. He's the best trophy collector. Of ah, time. there you go. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that one. <laughs> I'm just giving props to where it's due. Top Marino. 10. I'll give him top ten. <laughs> all right. Number one. I'm still not sure. I don't know who I would give that nod to for quarterback. That's a different debate. Another day. All right. All I have right. To all really right. think about that one. I always liked watching John Elway, actually, even though he was, uh, I, as far as one of my top, at least top three to watch of all time. I just, I found him fun to watch and he was, he's a winner. He or was a winner. Mm-hmm. Definitely remember watching those bills when he uh, picked up those championships. Finally. It was very nice <laughs> to right. see that. <laughs> Thanks. All right. So you have a very interesting journey into physical education. You didn't start as a physical education teacher, right? Correct. So would you like to kind of guide us through that transition and maybe why you switched from classroom to the gymnasium? Yeah, definitely. Or in your case, you don't have a gymnasium gymnasium, do you? uh, We have a pavilion. uh, That's the main spot. The pavilion with basketball courts field. So yes, pavilion with, again, over 100 at a time. Which is insane. I'm trying to even think how that could even feasibly work where I'm at. Yeah, right. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily I have three paras, so that, that does help. But um, so I was in the classroom for about nine or 10 years, um, different, some different schools and also different counties. And, and then um, I didn't switch around a lot, but I mean, about the longest I was at a school was in Charlotte, North Carolina for four years when we were, uh, my wife and I were uh, still newlyweds. We decided to give it a go, um, and I really enjoyed it actually. And the only reason why we moved back to Florida is because um, we had our our son. Our son was born, and we wanted to be closer to home, so we came back to Florida. And I taught a a year uh, of it was math and science. I team taught with a fifth grade, and um, I decided to move schools. I wasn't crazy about that school, and there was a school right next to where we live. That's where I still teach, and I. Um, my I, the PE teacher quit over the year over the the summer, 
and I was scheduled to teach third grade. I actually had a choice. Uh, my new my my principal gave me a choice of fifth grade, continue with that, or third grade. And I was like, yeah, I never taught third grade before. So let's do third grade. And again, the, the PE teacher quit over the summer. I didn't even know that. Um, at the time, I was in North Carolina doing, um, we did kids camps up there, like sports camps, things like that. And I was a personal trainer in North Carolina as well. Um, and he knew that. And so he just called me up and said, and again, this is, <laughs> I was in North Carolina at the time. He's like, you know, PE teacher quit. You, you want to give it a go? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you, you want to, you know, take the weekend to think about it? He's like, nope. I'm like, nope. <laughs> Sign me up. And uh, so again, I had the the physical education kind of background with the, you know, the physical or personal training, um, the studying with that. And again, the kids camps, you know, so I knew the movement skills. I knew, you know, I had some background knowledge and he knew that. And uh, I just, you know, took a test. Uh, I hate to say it was that easy, but I took a test, studied pretty hard, took a test and uh, got certified and um, yeah, been loving it ever since. And I'm, I'm forever grateful. Uh, he passed away um, about five years ago, six years ago, but I'm forever grateful for that opportunity. That's a very unique situation. Like almost as if they're like, well, if he sticks around, like this kind of makes sense. Uh, that probably has to play a lot with your personality, I would assume. Probably yeah, like, I mean, well, this this would make a logical transition because that's, I think that's a hard switch. Yeah, and I could definitely see your personality playing a lot into that, and definitely, Thanks. I would enjoy you as a phys ed teacher. Well, I appreciate that. Well, it was definitely a, a shock because you know, again, I went from a, a classroom to, you know, again over a hundred kids at a time and I and, and then three people that I didn't know were my assistants and that was a whole nother dynamic that had to be uh it was it wasn't easy they, they were there before I was there and and I'm coming in and you know I have these ideas and they have these ideas how it should be and I'm like you know, there was a little struggle there at first too so that was it was tough well I'm glad you switched from the dark side <laughs> to the good side oh thanks <laughs> me too me too it's it's fun being a PE teacher. I don't know if I could do the classroom. I, I know I could technically do it. I could pass the test too. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I would enjoy it at all. Well, I, I think, think I'd I be could. so much better now. I'd be a lot better math, science, you know, whatever, everything teacher. Now that with more technology, um, I wasn't on like, well, actually Twitter wasn't even a thing back then and, and some of the social media. So I... I was saying this to my wife recently. I think I'm not saying I'm going to go back in the classroom, but if I either had to or some kind of phenomenal opportunity came up, I, I don't know. I think I'd be a lot better because of everything. And I, I'm just a better, I, I think, overall educator now. So I think I'd be, I'd be a lot better. <laughs> I'll just say better than my first couple of years or, or whatever teaching. So, yeah. Which is a perfect segue into the next question. I did that on purpose, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you're an excellent host. So you just know the flow to how it goes and take it from here. All right. Um, what was your first year like? And what were the biggest lessons learned from your first every year teaching and then compared to your first year as a PE teacher? Okay. So my first year ever teaching. Oh my goodness. Well, I've, I guess I've talked to you about this kind of before, but my first year ever teaching was again, going from, um, you know, student teaching them in near Buffalo, New York, um, and then coming down here to a, it was actually more of a farming uh, rural community, but with lots of different diversity, <clears throat> excuse me, 
I had a student that didn't speak any English. I mean, literally came over. I'm, I'm, this is a metaphorical thing. He literally, um, his family came over on a boat from Cuba and he spoke no English. And, you know, just, I, I never dealt with that before. I never, I never had these different, you know, personalities of different cultures that I, it was a, it was a culture shock basically. And I think it went well. Uh, and, and, you know, it was, it was just, it was a definitely a shock. Even the community, it was, it's a, um, it's, I actually don't live too far from there now. It's about an hour away. It's a, um, it's all about the, like sugar cane and, and it's a very migrant town so that the kids, some kids would be coming in and out based on their, their families working or, um, you know, whatever the season was and things like that. So it was a lot of in and out. And so it was, it was hard to get that flow that, that, um, I guess that community of, of students, because I had some, like, again, kids leaving and coming and going, whatever. And, um, but you know, I enjoyed it. It just, it was, it was just so different from how I grew up. So I guess I, I mean, I always value different cultures, but I never was in a scenario of all these different cultures. And so I think I learned to really appreciate some of the struggles of, you know, people coming over from different countries and, and, and also, you know, you know, just learning about different family dynamics and, and values. And so I guess that's what I learned. It's the kind of a, uh, you know, I don't know if that <laughs> answered your question, but um, I, I don't feel like I was a great teacher. And, and I mean, I was okay. Um, I was, you know, learning the classroom management thing and, and learning just how to be, how to blend in there and, and do a good job. But I think that's what I learned was just how to, you know, <laughs> I, I learned how to, man, I've always accepted other cultures. So I don't want to say that, but I've always learned, I've, I've learned how to appreciate just the dynamics of, of, you know, our country and different, different people. So in a way it's like you learned how to adapt to that and figure out how they operate. So like somebody yeah. outside of your own, like grouping kind of similar to how I grew up central PA, I imagine probably pretty similar to Buffalo in that yeah. region, pretty much entirely white. And then you go to a new environment that's completely different and you have to adapt and learn a different culture and how to interact and work with that. What would you mm-hmm. say is a good thing to, or for somebody that's, like a first year teacher or going into maybe an area where you do have seasonality of students because of immigration. I know that's a big one in mm-hmm. certain parts of Pennsylvania with immigrant laborers. I know that's like Virginia has that pretty much down the Eastern seaboard or seaboard in the rural communities. Like, how do you, how did you handle that? Like, what did you do to make sure yeah. that they kind of had an opportunity to learn? Right. And I hope, I, I hope that came off cor- like, <laughs> I don't know if I communicated that correctly, but yeah, I mean, just learning about different cultures. And, mm-hmm. and, and so, well, I, I remember that specific student named Carlos. I remember him. He was, he was a good kid or he is a good kid. I'm sure. He, I, I, well, I paired him up with um, students that spoke, you know, they were bilingual. So they, they definitely helped him uh, out, you know, obviously. And, you know, I would say in general though, you know, just making those connections, you know, I, I went to, you know, I remember going to a couple of football games of some of my students and, you know, meeting their families there. And I think they really appreciated that. And I, I appreciated getting to know them better. Um, I remember he, my, that the one student, Derek, see, I, this is a long time ago, by the way. I mean, I remember their names. This is from, um, I'm not kidding. This is, again, this is from 90, 1994, 95. This is a long time ago. But Derek um, at his football game, he broke his leg and I was there and I, you know, went to the hospital 
and uh, you know, just try to show my support. And I think that, I don't say that pays off. I don't want to sound selfish like that. It paid off like that, but just the, you know, make building that rapport uh, with, with the families and building a rapport with the students. I, I think that goes a long way. I know that goes a long way. Um, you know, just um, showing that you, you're more than just, well, not more than just you. Show them that you're human and show them that you, you know, you care and you, you, you want to be a part of their lives and not just, you know, I'm here for, you're in my classroom and then see you later. It's like, you know, building that up. I've been, you know, been to soccer games, baseball games, um, just trying to, you know, to show them my support and show them that I care about them as people. Absolutely. I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons that teachers learn in their first year is how, no matter how much theory or how much you go over stuff in a class, it's different. It's, it's about making those connections and figuring out how to use those, not for necessarily like selfish gain. It's, I don't look at it like that. I look at it as you're trying to do something positively create the culture that everybody has the best experience they can and it's it's okay it's okay to go out to sports games and stuff like that and I know a lot of times in our current climate people are afraid to do stuff like that because it looks weird or awkward but you're not going to create the ideal environment if kids don't think you actually care yeah and I guess I'll throw one more thing I, I was just thinking about this you know I would I would play and I see teach some teachers do this and some teachers not do this you know, I'd play recess with them. I'd play, I'd be mm-hmm. all-time quarterback. And I th- I think that instead of me just sitting on a bench watching them play, I'm not saying every day all the time, but, you know, I want to be a part of it. I want to have fun with the kids. And, and, you know, they like that. Like, coach, yeah, that was awesome. You remember when you, you know, we threw the, you threw me that touchdown pass, you know, it just, that kind of stuff, I think goes a long way. Just showing them that, you know, you want to be involved and not just sit on the sidelines and, and you know, get in there. Absolutely. I always was a big fan of go to lunch when they're at lunch, just pick a table, hang out at a table for 10, 15 minutes, break bread with them and then switch to another table. Yeah. Or you don't even have to sit down at a table with them. You just walk around. People are going to come up to you. You're going to have kids like running up. It doesn't matter who you are as a teacher. If they see you in the lunchroom, they're probably going to run up to you unless they don't like you. (laughs) And then that's going to tell you a lot about what's going on in your classroom. And you might be preventing the best learning environment if literally everybody is ignoring you in the lunchroom, which I've seen happen, not to me, but to other teachers and people. And you have to be very cognizant of like the environment you're setting up and the persona you're giving off. But yeah, I definitely agree with you. Don't be afraid to engage with the students during recess, lunch, throughout the building. Absolutely. It's okay. It's school. It's not prison. (laughs) Um. Let's go on to the second part of the question. So that was your first year as a classroom <laughs> teacher. Oh yes, I'm sorry, I forgot about the second part. Yeah. Oh, you're good. That's why yeah. I'm here for the host. Yeah, thank you. Accountable. <laughs> so, so, what my, was your biggest lessons from your first year as a PE teacher? Because I imagine that was probably <laughs> very stressful. <laughs> definitely putting you out of your comfort zone to a certain extent. Exactly. That was that was a little rough. I'm not gonna lie. Um, along with. Well, again, like I said before, first of all, I'm coming into a new situation with, you know, adults, these three adults that um, I'm basically their boss and they don't know me at all. And they, you know, they like things run a certain way. And, you know, I'm coming in here, I'm not saying changing everything, but I definitely have my own philosophies. And, and I brought that classroom experience to the, the PE program 
um, as far as you know, using like Kagan structures and and you know just just different kinds of learning instead of just like again that you know just go out there and throw the ball around <laughs> you know or whatever roll the basketball out. Um, I was never like that, which is which I'm I'm glad, but I also wasn't. I was on my own island as far as I wasn't you know on social media back then. This is I'm not saying social media wasn't around. It was I'm trying to think what year this was. It's around 2011, and you know I wasn't. In my first two years, I wasn't really on social media. So I was kind of by myself. Um, a lot of these things that are, are around now were not around then. As far as, you know, PE Central, it's still, um, I always give Mark uh, Mantras credit for this because, you know, some of his ideas and games on PE Central at the time, my first two years, like saved me. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of those kind of things around back then. So, you know, I had to just make stuff up or, or things we did at sports camps and, you know, it just wasn't a team. You know, I was used to being on a team of fifth grade uh, teachers or fourth grade teachers where it's like, you know, five or six other people where you could throw things around and be like, Hey, you know, what about this? What about this? You know, we met once a year and we still do as a phys ed, you know, our district. And so, you know, I was on my own Island. I know a lot of people say that and it's, it's a truth um, until I got on social media. I was just like, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And, and looking back, I'm like, Oh gosh, <laughs> but it, it Again, I hope I answered your question. It was it was hard. It was really hard because again, I was I was not only dealing with learning how to navigate a hundred plus students, but also navigate my assistants and uh, just figuring out who I was as a PE teacher was was another, you know, it was difficult. But I would say to myself back then, uh, I take more risks because I was afraid to speak out to my even my those adult assistants at some one point because two of the assistants I felt like they were ganging up ganging up on me a little bit. And the other one was more complacent and he was on my side. I know he was, and he's still a good friend of mine. I'm actually friends with all three of them, but it was hard, you know, dealing with that dynamic. I'm going to take away from that. Your biggest lessons that year were how to incorporate your paras and aids to make it an ideal learning environment. What would you suggest for newer teachers that are for the first time going to be experiencing with paras? I know you had a distinct advantage because you were a classroom teacher, Mm-hmm. So you had a different lens than what a new rookie rookie teacher would be. What would you suggest to them? How do, how do they kind of yeah. figure out those waters, what to do? Well, I would definitely give them a, a voice, um, you know, give the, the pairs a voice, ask them, you know, Hey, what's worked in the past. If they've been there before, you know, what, what do you notice can be uh, changed or what, what can we improve on? So definitely give them a voice. And, and I did do that, but they still were pushing back quite a bit on me um, because you have your own, you have your own voice as well. Like I have my own ideas, any other teacher coming into this profession, you have your own ideas. Um, it is tough coming right from, from college, let's just say, or some other environment. Um, I guess this is kind of going back to when I first year of just regular teaching, you know, regular college didn't teach me how to be like how to be a teacher. I mean, it did in theory, but just not in practice, obviously. And so, you know, I would say definitely, and and it was tough. I've heard from people like this that are younger teachers that are, you know, have these older, um, nothing wrong with older, you know, paras or assistants, but they've been there a long time or they've been in the education field a long time. And then some younger person comes in and and they don't want to maybe listen to that younger person. And, you know, I would say, you know, again, it sounds cliche, but, you know, speak your truth. And, you know, again, in a positive, you know, way, as far as, you know, obviously keep things cordial, but, you know, tell them this is how it should be and or how I want it to be. And how can we get there as a team? 
So, cause it is a team and you, you know, again, I don't know about everybody, but I'm in a, we're in an office. There's the four of us in an office. It's not, it's about the size of my bedroom um, and maybe a little smaller actually. And, you know, we're on our, we are on our own, own island for the day. Like every day I see these people for 90% of the day, they might go off to lunch by themselves or with the other, whatever inside the building, but we're together, we're a team and, and we got to stick together. So hopefully that answers your question. I <laughs> oh, ab- absolutely. It's a, uh... It's an interesting dynamic. I'm not used to that. I'll have maybe some paras follow specific students or a specific class, but they're pretty much monitoring that student or that class for specific things and they're recording their own notes. So it's like they're there, but they're not. Yeah. I, I, I haven't had a chance to actually have a para in my class. It'd be kind of great just for a variety of reasons for the context I teach. But I imagine that'd be really hard for me to also learn how to interact with that person and figure out how do I involve them in the process. Well, I would also say to give them responsibilities because again, I I still hear from teachers, um, PE teachers that when when we do meet and they're like, oh, my parents won't do anything. It's like, well, have you given them responsibility? You know, um, they're like, oh, they just want to sit around on the, again, not everybody, but there's a couple of people that said, my parents just want to, you know, sit there and do nothing. Well, give them responsibilities and say, Hey, I need you to run the station. Here's how I'd like you to, you know, here's the questions I'd like you to ask the kids. Here's, you know, how I I'd like you to either group them or not group them or, or whatever, run the game and, and, and give them responsibilities. Like I said, I mean, I give my responsibilities when we do the, uh, like the jump rope for heart, you know, American heart association, that's a whole nother thing I know, but, um, we are required to do it. So let's just, I guess a little bit, I give that to a para. I say, I said, please, I need you to, you know, keep, you know, the book work on that, I guess, the, the responsibilities, the money collection, like I'll, I'll give them and I'll give it to somebody that, that wants to do it usually. And somebody that's very, way better than I am at, you know, spreadsheets and, and I try to maximize their strengths as well. Like, you know, I've, I'm not a great basketball player. So we've, we've had some good uh, guys and girls that are good at basketball. I'll be like, Hey, can you, can you be the basketball you know person on this, on this, you know, unit? Um, I, one of my pairs right now, she used to play, you know, semi-pro soccer. So I'm like, it's all yours. You are, fun. and like, she actually is, you know, she knows some of these, or she's, and she's met you know, a lot of the big, you know, Megan Rapinos and, and some of these big stars. And so I'm like, you're my soccer person, you know, so give them responsibilities. I definitely think that keeps playing into what you were talking about earlier is understanding the culture around you. So what assets do people have and how can they make the environment better? I think a lot of times when teachers come out, including myself, is you're like you said, you're not trained to interact in that environment. You're trained to look at the theory behind it and then develop it and figure it out. That's definitely a great tip. So, which brings me in. Oh, can I go back for one thing? Cause I just met yeah, one more thing absolutely. and you can always cut it out if you don't like it, but you made me think of my first year, te- going back to my first, first year teaching, absolutely first year teaching. And I just thought of something as you were talking, you remind me, you know, I didn't know who I was as a teacher. I just didn't know. I thought, and this, this is true. I used to read a lot of books. I still read a lot of books, but I used to read a lot of these personal development books and I still do. But I thought I was like, I, I emulated um, some of these, especially basketball. It's funny. I'm, I was never good at basketball, but I always enjoyed playing and, and watching it. You know, I read books by Bobby Knight, uh, Pat Riley. Um, who else was it? There was somebody else. And, you know, I just thought, I'm going to run my, my program like this, my, my classroom like this. I'm an authoritarian. I'm a general like, like Bobby Knight. 
And I tried that. That was not me. It's just not, or, or, you know, don't smile till Christmas. I've heard those things before. You know, I was like, I tried that a little bit. And I'm like, that's not me. That's not my, not, not my personality. And, you know, I, I had, I just, it took me a while to figure out who I was as a, as a teacher. And, you know, that wasn't me. I tried to be the, you know, the general, and that's just not me. Um, but it doesn't mean you can't be, you know, uh, structured and, you know, stern when you have to be, but you, you gotta, it's gotta fit your personality and who you are. It, you know, you, you're not somebody, don't be somebody you're not because you read it in a book or you want to be that person. Absolutely. I think that's probably the biggest lesson that I learned early on before I even began teaching, or I guess it was during that process through student teaching where when I did my student teaching experience in the Southern part of Chester County, Pennsylvania, did student teaching in Unionville school district, which is like a very affluent school district. And they had some similarities with the high influx of immigrants because of the mushroom farms. And there was a lot of agriculture in the area. Mm -hmm. but predominantly it was just same culture. It was mostly white, except for the immigrant students, at least from what I remember. And it just, I just didn't fit in that culture and it didn't fit like who I was a person, a teacher. So I wasn't good at it there. It just didn't work. It's like, I went to a middle school. I was okay there, but it was like, you just said stuff and kids did it. And it just didn't feel comfortable like yeah teaching in certain environments if it doesn't match as who you are as a teacher I think could also be detrimental to your growth because it just doesn't fit so I think you mentioning that you have to figure out who you are as a teacher is very powerful and a lot of times at least from my experience we weren't taught to figure out who we were in college it was just kind of like here you go figure it out and I wish I would learn that earlier but I think that was a perfect time to learn it was in the middle of student teaching that oh I'm not gonna be able to teach here like this is never gonna work for me I'm not gonna enjoy it at least at that point in my life I don't know if that would be different now but who knows which brings us on to the next part you only had once a year to meet with fellow PE staff that was it yeah, we still do really. And as a district and there's, there's been a year or two where we didn't meet at all. Actually this year uh, we did meet and then, and I actually presented, um, but it was more, um, it, w- it wasn't even mandatory. It was, it was, you know, so we, we met in like an art room and, and it was 20 to 30 uh, teachers and that's about it. And then we did meet though, not too long ago, but again, it was more, uh, it was a professional development day. And so we decided to, um, and I asked my principal, I'm like, Hey, can I meet with some other teachers? And we're just going to, you know, they're going to come here to my school. And we met for a little bit and they wanted to learn um, about chook ball and, and the tournament I run every year, the sport ed unit. And so, you know, I kind of taught them that. And then after lunch, I met with some of my other, <laughs> other PE teachers in the, in the district. And we went over some, just some, but that that's kind of our, our professional development is like we met at, I'm not, I probably shouldn't say this, but we met at Dave and Buster's and we, <laughs> over lunch, we, we, we talked a lot and then we played some games and then we talked even more about PE and uh, that was our you know professional development. So I'm always looking for more ways to meet with people like yourself. Like that's why we do like around the horn, not to put a plug in for it. You already did, but um, you know, I, this is how I meet with or how, how I interact with teachers is 
right here, you know, learning from you, learning from other people. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess I can't, I can't speak for the other subject areas and teachers that aren't in our field, but I mm-hmm. feel as if even from my experience being in Pennsylvania, it's kind of similar. You have to create your own professional development and you have to do it all on your own. And it, they kind of discuss that a little in college and they prep you for that by trying to get you to go to your state and local conferences, like national conferences, trying to be engaged on your own, which is Mm -hmm. awesome. But even when I was at my first teaching job, by the end of the year, I was structuring professional development for the entire charter system as a first year teacher because nobody wanted to do it. And that's so scary is that A, that there are teachers that don't want to step up and do it, that are experienced and can do it, or B, they don't care, or C, the whole mixture is like the admin doesn't care and the teacher doesn't care, which I can only imagine how that dynamic evolves. Like how good is your program if you're not constantly removing yourself from a zone of comfort and taking a risk and trying to explore and I think that's the most beautiful part about finding you on your podcast and then being a guest and kind of exploring Twitter, which I've always been kind of skeptical of. Yeah. And how great we do as a profession outside of the school. And people don't recognize that, that phys ed is probably one of the only academic subject areas that they're literally pushing it all on their own. I haven't yeah, seen exactly. like a math Twitter. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, sure there probably uh, is, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> like not to the scale, unless right. I'm just that bad at searching the internet. Who knows? <laughs> no, you're right though. And, and I'm still trying, like, I remember, it, oh gosh, this is again, when I, I guess when I first started doing, getting on Twitter and Voxer and, and meeting um, like Justin Schleider and Joe Bailey and all these people. And, and I was just like blown away, Jared Robinson. I mean, all these people, unbelievable. And, you know, I, I remember telling the person who was running our, uh, our district, I guess at the time, the, the, the head phys ed, whatever, special <laughs> specials teacher or whatever it is, the, the, the department head, I guess I should say. And I was like telling her about, Hey, you know, what, we should get people on Twitter. You know, I like to present on social media and she kind of, She's very nice. Um, she's not there anymore, but she was kind of like, she had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> and then a year, I'm not kidding. A year later, I'm like, Hey, I was bugging her again. I'm like, you know, do you mind if I present? I'd like to present on like just getting on social media, getting connected. I think everybody can benefit. And she's like, Oh yeah, you were talking about Twitter last year. Right. And she still hadn't even got on Twitter. I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> so <laughs> advocating for, for just higher quality professional development um, is, is always my thing because I still have a lot of people in our district. Even when I go to our district meeting, they're talking about variations on dodgeball and that's a whole nother debate. We don't have to go into that, but uh, just, I don't know, just stepping up to the, you know, the century kind of skills and, and things. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I agree. The step out of your comfort zone. This, this is a huge risk doing a podcast. I yeah. never in my life would have thought I would have been on the computer microphone, talking to somebody across the country, essentially, about physical education and topics because there isn't anything immediately around me. Yeah, I love the idea of technology being involved for that and kind of brought me 
around because I used to be the well Instagram's better because it reaches the students without thinking oh but where am I getting my information from where am I sharing with most of those people aren't on Instagram to the same volume because I'll admit Twitter has a superior platform with the uh, utilization of hashtags whereas Twitter is kind of just picture oriented which is more younger Mm -hmm. so I guess that was my biggest lesson. You you also converted me to Twitter, so. Well, I'm I'm glad that I am a part of your um, Twitter, yeah, journey, and then also getting you. I'm not saying I did this your podcast, but I'm glad I kind of pushed you, nudged you a little bit. Um, so I'm I'm just happy that you're doing this. I mean, that was your fault. It was the learn something <laughs> new challenge. That's right. <laughs> I'm still working on my juggling. It's not going well, but I'm I'll get it there. I'll get there. <laughs> so directly, it is your fault. Yes. It's I just had really good guidance between you and Risto, like where to go and we're here. Hey, awesome. All right. Let's see. What other questions do I have? Ooh, if you could go back in time, would you alert yourself to the lessons you learned or would you let them go through the same experiences to see if you came out the same? Wow. I, lo- I love this question and I hate it at the same time because I could see the two paths and there is part of me that's like, man, I wish, I wish I was a better for, for, for those students. I wish I was a better educator in the classroom, my first couple of years and also PE in my first couple of years. But um, I'm probably going to give you the cliche answer, but that's okay. Um, you know, all the mistakes, all the quote unquote fails, but you know, the first attempts in learning or, you know, it brought me to where I am now. So I can't, I can't regret or even, want to change those things. Cause it could have been totally different. Um, I might not have, you know, even been at this school right now. You know, I took a chance just by leaving the school I was at, it, although it's not that far away, but just taking chances. I, I would say just take more chances. That's, that's my main thing, but you know, I, I am where I am now and I, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at and I love the kids and um, I wouldn't change that for the world. So I'm going to say stick with it. You know, all the mistakes, all the, judgment things and and it brought me here so i'm I'm good I, I can appreciate that um i agree with that you you feel for the teach or your students of the past where you could have been better i know i do but at the same time like you suggested would we actually be here right now having like the same growth do you would you actually grow or would you just avoid those challenges and avoid those learning chances So that's always, that's a great perspective on that. Um, I think that goes to say for the younger and newer teachers, I mean, I'm only 30, so I'm still relatively young teacher. It's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. You should be taking risks. If you feel you're too comfortable doing what you're doing, you should probably question it because you're probably not pushing the students in the right direction. And you're probably not expanding your knowledge and abilities as well as your students so exactly should reflect and if it's not taking a risk here and there and if you're in that comfort zone take a leap see what happens that's where we always grow exactly i'm gonna give you one more story though and you can always cut this out again if you don't if if it's no good but as far as taking a risk because i i always yeah i wish i would take more risks this is the best risk i ever not well it's one of the best risks I ever took. And it may not sound like a big thing, but it was, for me, it was. So my, my principal that I told, that I told you, um, got it, like asked me to be the PE teacher and he, um, 
he passed away of cancer. He, he his cancer came back and he was a great, great principal, great man. And he, uh, we knew something was up. The, I think it was my, my second year or maybe it was the end of my third year actually, but he wasn't around much. We knew something was going on. And eventually he came and said goodbye to everybody in the, in the media center one morning. They, um, and it was, I mean, not a dry eye in the house and, uh, man, it was, it was awful, but I was just walking through, this is a couple weeks after this. I thought that was the last time I'd ever see him. He, he was in his old office and there was like, his wife was there and, um, there was other administration there, like the assistant principals. And, and I just happened to walk by, I was doing something and I, and I, I'm like, Oh, I want to go say hi to him. And I, I, and I better not, I don't want to interrupt, interrupt everybody. And so I kind of walked out, it was like a hallway. And then I turned back around. I'm like, no, forget this. And I went back in. I'm like, I'm so sorry. His name is Mr. Vetter. I said, I'm so sorry. I just, I saw you and I had to say hi. And he was so like, oh, come on in, Dave, come on in. And, you know, we had this great little conversation. I know it was, it was in front of a lot of people, but, you know, I'm like, I was so glad I did that because that was the last time I ever talked to him. And that was just a risk I took that I love telling. I don't tell that story enough. And man, I, you got to take some risks because I would have regretted that probably the rest of my life. And I'm so glad I did that. It's very powerful when you do take a risk and then you have those experiences because it shows that sometimes we might be a little afraid or apprehensive because you're wondering, well, what's the consequence going to be? And Mm -hmm. I think as we get older, we tend not to take as many risks. And I think this is like a good point in time during quarantine to kind of explore where are you at? What's the last risk you have taken? And like, Mm -hmm. what were the consequences? Was it actually as bad as you thought? How can you take a risk next time for, for being productive or like a good change for yourself? That's, I mean, that's where I'm at. So that's, that's a great story. Um, Thanks. So don't, don't feel bad if you interrupt for stories. It's, this is, this is the point of this podcast. It's having these discussions and making it human and make people realize that being a teacher is so much more intricate and involved and I just want to make your, I don't want to make your podcast too long. That's all. So <laughs> I think we're only at like 40 minutes. All right. All right. That's not bad. We, we got right. one more question. All right. All right. Here we go. So everybody is experiencing COVID-19 quarantine in some way, shape or form. What changes would you like to see in our field after the quarantine is lifted? Yeah. And we had a great conversation. I know you were there. Uh, what? two episodes ago on, you know, what's the future of phys ed going to look like? And I heard some amazing answers and perspectives that I didn't even think about. You know, one of the things I'd like to see is, <laughs> again, maybe this is me being a little selfish, but um, is smaller groups for me. Um, you know, I, again, over hundred plus, I, it's really closer to 120, 130 when I say over hundred. And I remember not too long ago, my principal saying we might have to go to like, you know, 50 at the most. And, you know, I don't know how it's going to look if they have to hire somebody else or we just have to, you know, I have to deputize my paras to do a little bit more teaching in another place or whatever. I just, for me, I think that would be better as far as obviously teaching a smaller group and uh, I, I could do so much more with them. Like I, I was like, I could do even maybe a little more technology piece that I'm not, you know, I have, a, I have, I have that pavilion, I have spotty Wi-Fi. We don't have a lot of you know, it's not like we're one-to-one or anything like that. You know, I could do more um, just as a smaller group. I know 50 isn't a tiny group, but it, for me, it's, 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 you know, half or more, you know, even 
more than you know half of that. I just think I could do more with a smaller group, and uh, equipment-wise, it would work out better for the students because you know I, I don't always have. You know, the only thing I have over a hundred of is really tennis balls. I don't <laughs> even basketballs. I don't have a hundred. So it get more touches on a ball on soccer balls on basketballs. It just it'd bring a different dynamic. Um, it'd be less downtime as far as I think, you know, the, maybe the off task behavior, you know, when there's a hundred plus kids, you have 10 to 20 kids, maybe not, maybe not that many, but they're not on task or, are, you know, time-wise, you know, getting us off track. So I guess that would be the biggest thing would be maybe a smaller groups and, and more, maybe more technology. If I could bring them to another classroom and do more things, exit tickets or just uh, different, you know, learning pieces. I do have an outside projector that I created uh, kind of created uh, with a board and everything, but it's hard to see out there with the glare and it just, um, I, you know, I'm kind of rambling here, but I guess smaller, smaller sizes would be great. And it'd, it'd get that learning piece in there a little more. Yeah, I could, Definitely see that in some context because you mentioned you have classes of 100 plus. I used to have classes of 100 plus. It was only for one year as part of a transition into a new plan, but there are numerous schools in Philadelphia that have 50, 60 to 100 kids. And I'm thinking, what can you actually offer of any quality in those programs? I know there's one charter school in North Philly I did an interview at and they were like, Oh, it'd be like 110, 120. It really wasn't a good fit. And I'm glad where I ended up anyway. Mm -hmm. But after teaching with 80 to 130 kids that one year, over two thirds of the lessons were garbage because we were under-resourced, understaffed. There was so many problems just because of issues that were happening in the neighborhood and like the previous history they had with phys ed. It's a nightmare. Like I'm impressed that you can handle hundred plus classes and you have a program and you're doing things. That's big kudos. That's, that's impressive. Um, I appreciate it. So I hope you get those smaller classes and I hope they maybe hire somebody else. Maybe bring somebody else in. Maybe that'll be like a consequence. Maybe we'll look at like, we need to hire more teachers, but at the same time, there's kind of that they allude to like a teacher sh- shortage almost that there's not enough people going in education. So yeah, maybe we'll start answering those questions why teachers left so we can keep teachers. Yeah. I mean, I actually left, I left the, the teaching field for seven years. I had a really bad experience in a, uh, not, not too far from here. It's a different County, but Um, you made me think of this earlier, actually, because I've, I feel like I'm the situation I'm in as far as the dynamics and the socioeconomics, uh, uh, socioeconomics, if I said that right, it's hard to say for me. Um, I guess the underserved children, now we have different levels of where the kids are at financially. I'm not, you know, whatever, but I was in a place that was a little more affluent and that was actually my worst experience. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Um, because I grew up in a middle class, I'm a middle class, you know, mostly white. And this is where I, it's funny, this is where I end up teaching. I had a horrible experience. Um, it's mostly administration. I just didn't, it's what didn't go well, but, uh, I got out of, after that experience, I got out of teaching for seven years and I went to work full-time for my dad. He owned a few grocery stores and that's when I met my wife. We, I got back into teaching in North Carolina and that whole thing, but you know, I, I left it as well. I was only a, you know, four or five year teacher right there. And I, I just like, this isn't for me. 
and I'm so glad I had a good experience that brought me to North Carolina and then, or the, when I was in North Carolina and then brought me back here. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that plays to a lot, as we talked about earlier, understanding who you are as a teacher, your experiences, how they impact you. And for the younger teachers, if you have a bad experience, don't let that be your last, maybe take a break, come back. It's okay. Like, as we discussed, we failed. I know I failed miserably a couple times and yeah, I have no, I have no issue talking about those moments. It's just part of, it's part of life. Like it happens like in another pod or one of my other recordings, I mentioned that I got cussed out by my assistant principal because of a lesson, but that's part of the learning process. Like we were both on the same page. It was just a bad lesson. Yeah. And there was a weird context and I think there was a reason why he was doing certain things, but it's a different conversation, different day. (laughs) But if you're a new teacher listening or like you're younger or you're in college, it's okay to fail. It's okay to take risks. We've all done it. So don't be afraid. Take those risks early so you can learn earlier. So you can be a better teacher earlier than we did. That's kind of like my takeaway from the day. Exactly. You don't be afraid to make mistakes, like you said, but learn from them and keep going. And yeah. Don't give up. All right. I think that's enough for the day. Is there anything else you would like to add? Any plugs? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) well, I I would love for people, um, I know we talked about this, to um, listen to the podcast, uh, supersizephysed.com is the website, and that's where they're kind of hosted. So, But uh, yeah, Around the Horn Health and Phys Ed has been a hit so far, and I'm so glad you have been a part of it since the beginning and it's two-time, uh, two-time champ. That's right. Two-time champ. We're going to have to, I said, we have to motley crew you home, sweet home. You We have to discontinue you and retire you. No, I'm just kidding. I get a um, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd love for people to sign up. Be, uh, we, we'd love to have new guests, new people, new perspectives from all different cultures, different countries. Um, you know, we just, we want to hear your voices just like I know Steven does here on his podcast. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I hope if you're listening, you enjoyed the show. That concludes episode four with special guest Dave Carney. I want to thank you again for joining us. And I want to thank Dave again for getting all of this rolling with his Learn Something New Challenge 2020. It is his fault this show exists so please check out his show supersized phys ed as well as around the horn pe he has many great topics and justin schlater does a fantastic job with hosting in addition to that please subscribe to our podcast once again you can find me on twitter or instagram with the handle beard drip bowler You can find my Instagram handles, Twitter handles, and additional resources that can link to Dave's podcast and others in the description. If you would like to be a guest on the show or if you have any questions or would just like to reach out, find me on Twitter or Instagram, or you can email me at wrappingpe at gmail.com. Goodbye for now, but until the next time, I would like to wish you peace and love.